Grace, mercy, and peace be due from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Gospel of Luke, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it's very easy to picture the events of the Gospel happening when you've stood in a first-century replica synagogue in Nazareth, like the one Jesus would have been in when the Gospel reading takes place. And it's easy to think about Capernaum being the place where Jesus performed miracles. When you've stood above the place they believe is the home of Peter, where Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. And it's easy to want to use this text because you have those visualizations and physical connections. But there's always more reason than that. There at least is a little piece of some of the Israel I saw. So I thought that today I would stand up and bring you some incredible words of wisdom. And then as time went on, I realized I had nothing to offer you. Not because I'm not wise necessarily, but because I'm reminded of the words of Ecclesiastes, that there is nothing new under the sun. I was going to start out by saying something like, there's plenty of things I've learned in my 36 years of life, and here's one of them. And then I was going to tell you this wonderful bit of insight that you would be mesmerized by, which I now know is something that you already know. And I'm just stating the obvious for you, because there's nothing new under the sun. And when you hear a pastor say something like that, you don't have to wonder why people don't think the church is all that important. Mesmerizing, right? And that wasn't even the wisdom I was going to share. But we do know that after these words of Ecclesiastes were written, that there did come along something new under the sun. That was Jesus Christ. And in the gospel reading for today, we see him make his grand entrance into his hometown of Nazareth, into the synagogue, where he reads the scroll of Isaiah, which says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus gives the people of Nazareth something new under the sun when he says, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Here Jesus is saying that he is the anointed one. He is the Messiah that has been prophesied about for centuries He is the one they've been waiting for. He will bring about the redemption of his people, give sight to the blind, set the captives free, and usher in the year of the Lord's favor, the year of jubilee when new beginnings take place. It sounds wonderful, and his words resonate with the people until they don't when he tells them about two prophets the people of Israel rejected. 
two stories about those rejected prophets going to the Gentiles and healing them. So what do the people of Nazareth want to do with the man that just claimed to be the Messiah? Throw him off a cliff. Which, of course, Jesus said would happen, that he would not be accepted in his hometown. And from that point forward, we don't hear much about Nazareth other than Jesus being from there. Maybe it's possible that those same people that tried to throw Jesus off the cliff were also there at his crucifixion, proud of the fact that they finally finished what they started. Finished what they started. Much like Jesus, who had to finish what he started. He who knew not only that he would be rejected by his hometown, people that turned on him in an instant, but that he would be rejected by the people who had the power to have him crucified. And people that frankly didn't like him from the beginning. And that's probably something we all might be able to say about ourselves. That there have been people in our lives who have turned on us in an instant. Or people that just haven't liked us from the beginning. Now, I'm not trying to compare myself to Jesus. I could never do that. Though I have walked in his footsteps. Rather, I have walked where he walked. Probably. But you can feel a little bit of the pain he went through as he is rejected by the people who saw him grow up, the people who knew him best. That is the unforgiving nature of this world. Jesus was perfect, and he was still rejected. I'm the exact opposite of perfect, and the same things happen. And if you're like me, sometimes it's hard to, re to accept rejection whether it's a significant other, a friend, a family member, or a complete stranger. It doesn't make it any easier. But there is a reason for all of it. This is where I give you words of wisdom of how it only makes you stronger. But that's not true for everyone. So let's be honest. The reason for all of it is sin. Sin is the reason bad things, rejection, happens to perfect people, like Jesus, who is the only one who's good. Sin is the reason bad things, rejection, happens to not even close to perfect people like us. And sin is the reason that we find ourselves being the ones who reject and turn our backs on others. Sin is the reason that we reject the word of God that we don't listen to the words of the Messiah, that we'd rather kill the messenger than actually hear the words of the message. Because sometimes the message is hard to hear, especially when the message tells us that we're sinners who need forgiveness, that we're blind people who need to receive sight, that we are captive prisoners who need to be set free. When we are confronted with our sin, it's hard to hear sometimes because we have this pride in us that says it's not actually our fault. 
that we haven't done anything wrong, that it's not me, it's you. And you're the one who needs to repent, not me, because I am offended you would even claim that I'm a sinner. But we are sinners, and we do sin. And we need to acknowledge we're not perfect. And we need to confess our sin and repent of it. Sure, this world might be unforgiving and filled with sin, and the sinful people of this world sin against us. But at times, we are unforgiving, and we sin against others, and we sin against God constantly because we are sinful people. And you know who's not unforgiving? God. He is super forgiving. That's why Jesus came, because he was the Messiah, the one Isaiah and many other prophets spoke of. He did give sight to the blind and proclaim good news, and he did release prisoners of sin from their sin, and he did it on the cross. And even on the cross, we see Jesus' forgiving nature as he looks at the people and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus came to die for all of our sins. For the times we don't admit our sins, for the times we do, for the times we are unforgiving, and for the times others are unforgiving to us, for the times when we are rejected by others, and the times we do the rejecting. And he took all of those sins upon his shoulders when he went to the cross. And he died for each and every one of your sins, mine, and the sins of the whole world. And then he rose from the dead, proving that he did defeat sin, death, and the power of the devil once and for all. That he has removed your sins as far as the east is from the west, because he finished what he started. And he did it all because of his great love for you, because he wants you to know his forgiveness, and he does not want you to perish but have eternal life. He died and rose so that you would not suffer hell, but in order to bring you to heaven. And so today, I would love for you to just stop. My prayer is that you just stop and consider. Stop and consider your own sin and your own faults, even if it means you have to come clean about them to yourself and come clean about them to God. Because you can't hide from him, and he already knows. Stop and think of where you're at. Are you a sinner who is not ready to admit your sin? Are you a sinner who is unforgiving to others? Are you a sinner who understands that the punishment for sin is death, it's hell, and that Christ's death and resurrection brings about redemption, reconciliation, giving forgiveness, life, and salvation for all who believe? Take a moment for silent confession and reflection again. I know we've already had a time of confession and absolution, but you can never get too much of it. In a little bit, we're going to come to the altar and receive Christ's body and blood. 
God's word tells us that we should examine ourselves and make sure that we are ready to receive Christ's body and blood in a worthy manner. Not doubting Christ's words given and shed for you, but believing them, fully confident in his body and blood given for the forgiveness of your sins, for the strengthening of your faith, and for your salvation. I wasn't always ready to receive it. I didn't always examine myself to find faith present, faith in the words given and shed for me, faith in Jesus Christ and in his death and resurrection. I certainly didn't admit my sins or commit to changing my sinful life. I didn't see if I was being unforgiving to others at all. And I ate and drank to my judgment. And I don't want the same for you. The good news is that Jesus rescued me from that. And he can rescue you from it too. And we'll end with Christ's absolution in a moment. But please take a moment on your own for confession and reflection. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is for all people, for all time. And so in your confession and repentance, I announce the grace of God to all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.